Hello and welcome to lucky episode number seven of the Road to Laracon podcast. Fantastic and exciting news. We now have a date for the official online event. It is going to be taking place online August 26th. I guess that's United States Eastern time. It'll be an online only event. Tickets will be just $29 each. Save yourself literally. Like if you're me going to Georgia, you are saving literally thousands of dollars on flights, accommodation, food, two days of travel. None of that. $29 all online. I am greeted. I am joined today by one of the Laravel community's quickest talking speakers, Matt Stauffer. I felt like I should like have said hi in a really, really fast manner, but I I, I talk the speed I talk, but I don't know how to make it any faster. But hi, everybody. Hi. Also, if you're me, while I I think that ticket is still fantastic price and absolutely incredible, you're saving a little bit less money because I live in Georgia now. So, you know, take out the flight, take out the accommodations, but still, still, that's a lot of money saved. Plus everybody else saving all that money for me, maybe it's more money. So anyway. Yeah, for you, hey. for you personally, and for anyone else doing this kind of thing. Now, you you were not were you speaking? You weren't announced to speak in the in person event. Were you going to be speaking, or is this something that that you've, you've been you've been subbed in? Um, we weren't sure yet. So one of the things that mm-hmm. Taylor and I talked about was the desire to bring in as many new people as possible. So remember my talk last year at Laracon was we want new yeah. people, and Taylor, not just in response to me, just because of his own values, he's really leading in the goal to bring new folks in, not just in terms yeah. of them being able to use the framework, but them being prominent. And so one of the one of the things that it takes there is for people who are reputable to not always take spots. And so yeah. we talked about it. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to try and get some new people. You know, you, you can take a year off, whatever. I said, cool, that's that's fine. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll always speak, um, but I'll always not speak. You know, just you, you tell me what you want to yeah. do. And so yeah. when they switch to the online one, I think that maybe there might be a different set. I don't know if there's a different list of people who are going to go. I'm not exactly sure how it worked out, but and it might have just happened anyway. I'm not sure. But in the end, they said, hey, you know, do you want to speak this year? And I said, of course, I'd be happy to. So, yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I love it. We've got uh, obviously some fresh faces. We've got some some uh, old favorites. Colin DeCarlo is coming mm-hmm. back to speak. Uh, Prosper Odamuyua, who is All right. like the, the Unicode developer on Twitter, who is like active, active, active. He's based in some part of Africa. I'm he sure. He was in Lagos. I don't know if he's still in Lagos, yeah. but that's where he's from. So. so that's cool that he's, you know, that, that going online gives people like that an opportunity to, to speak yeah. at this event. And that's, that's really cool. And and Taylor's announced that their online format is going to continue into 2021 and beyond, where he's mm-hmm. going to use it as a platform to make all of the big Laravel announcements, new features, and then the in-person events hopefully will return next year and there'll be more technical deep dive topics on the things that have been announced at the online events. So that's a that's a really cool approach I think that Taylor's taken. I think it's going to take off and it's going to be really popular with you know literally thousands of people around the world that, that can't make it to the you know yeah. six to 800 people events you know obviously capacity is an issue travel is an issue finances you know all of those things just dissolve with the online events so looking forward to seeing how that goes but this podcast is not a podcast about all of that stuff this podcast is a about bit, music but it's a little bit a little bit we need to we need to make <laughs> the the points but we're gonna we're gonna dive into some music here now yes I know I know that you're very um, passionate about music. I know that anyone that follows you on Twitter knows that sometimes you can be very indecisive about music. And it took you, when was Laracon US? Laracon US was in July. July. And it took you until 
what the Probably beginning of March April. this year? Yeah, maybe eight, maybe yeah. March or April. So like eight months to to pick a song. Now, <laughs> don't get me wrong, the song that you pick for Laravel Podcast Season Four is really great. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But it took you eight months, and it was, so it's, yeah, it shouldn't have. The the indecision and the the music. We're going to dive right into this one. <laughs> I was not expecting this track. This is a a global sensation that. I don't personally enjoy their music a whole lot. I could I tell by the way you wrote, I didn't expect that when you sent uh, yeah. me that message. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, we got a hater. I, I, I kind of find their music a little bit pedestrian, but I, I think that you can, you can lead us into this one and explain to me why this amongst what I perceive to be your typical taste in music. So my first track is, um, I don't actually know how many of the words are in the title. It's one of those ones where it's like a whole sentence, but you don't know which one of the words are actually, but I still haven't find what I'm looking for by YouTube. And so, I mean, pedestrian, I mean, we've all had the experience where, well, not all, many of us had the experience where we had an iPhone and all of a sudden had a YouTube album that we didn't ask for on it. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. like Bono is definitely, you know, cringy at times. So I think one of these, it's one of these ones where I have, a, I have very, very, I have a variety of feelings about YouTube, but my love for U2 is primarily in the early days U2. And it still carries today because of that. So mm-hmm. if you were to just ignore everything you'd ever heard of about U2, and you were just to open up uh, the Joshua Tree album, and you played Joshua Tree from front to back, I think that you, Michael, and most other people would have a very different experience of the band than you yeah. would if you've seen them and their mega stadium tours and whatever. And so I do think that like I can appreciate today's U2 more, and I also am just more willing to just say, you know, I don't like that album very much based on the foundation of like, wow, that early day stuff is so amazing. And I mean, I've learned about, you know, their biographies. And one of my friends, Barry, is like a YouTube just absolute nut. And he and I would just nerd out over them in college and stuff like that. So anyway, <laughs> I think there's there's a lot of interesting stories there. But if you know the story of U2, like there are these like young punk kids and they started making this music and they came over to the US and it started getting really popular. So it's not as if like, they were like a, you know, like a boy band who started out really big. Like they kind of like scrounged their way to where they are. And I guess pedestrian, you know, it's it's stadium, you know, arena rock is not known for its musical complexity, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, go listen. So I would just tell anybody, go listen to Joshua Tree. The first four or five songs are some of the best songs that have ever happened in like the history of the world for me. So, okay. So you were surprised nice. by, by this choice. So I'm going to, I'm going to go into that and then talk about this song for a second. Most people yeah. who know what I listen to today know it's almost entirely rap with a little bit of R&B and funk. Uh, well, okay. A lot of funk, a lot of rap, a lot of funk, a little bit of R&B. So interestingly, there actually is a, a, a connection here with YouTube, but most simply, growing up, I listened to until mid high school. I listened to all like alternative rock, you know, and I was, you know, and I got into like the hipster alternative rock like in college. But at that point, I had been exposed to the greatest of Tupac. And I think like mm-hmm. probably when I was like 15 or 16 years old, completely transformed my life. And I listened to it nonstop for years. And so I started kind of like branching out to other things. And that's um, that's a lot of what I listen to today. But I still will return back to like some heavy metal and stuff like that. I'll still mm-hmm. return back to this. So it's, but I didn't listen to you 2 then. And then I got a, in my junior year of high school, so 17, I got a, the uh, again, it was just like a best of, like 1990s best of, of U2. And I didn't know anything about them. And I listened to that on Constant Report. Yeah. And that was in the 90s. So those were like the yeah. present songs. And I liked them quite a bit. 
And then in college, I met Barry, and Barry's like, have you ever heard Joshua Tree? And I was like, no. He's like, you have to go listen to it. So we would nerd <laughs> out on those things. And so the song, I still haven't found what I'm waiting for. Of course, it's like the, I gotta, is that actually like the rightful name of it? I should actually make sure that's right. It is not. I still haven't found. Is that what it is? I still haven't found looking what I'm for, looking not waiting. for. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it is the full sentence. Yeah, looking, not waiting. That's just because I'm on a podcast. So <laughs> anybody who heard me say it four times, though, they're going to be like, Matt, you're wrong on Twitter. Yeah. So, okay, right. <laughs> so still haven't found what I'm looking for. So there's a couple pieces to this, but one of them is that they were performing together and Bono started writing this song and he said he basically kind of wanted to run, write a song that was that was soulful, meaning soul in terms of like the music made by primarily black Americans. And he said, I want to tap into this. And if if you know like the history of like a pe- oppressed people groups around the world, like there's a lot of parallels between the poor people in various places, whether they're mm-hmm. intentional parallels or accidental parallels. And so there's a lot of that in their background, but they're, they're white guys in the U.S. now. And so there's this yeah. kind of weird space where they come from one place, but now they're yeah. in the U.S. and they're in the prominent group, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things they were really intentionally trying to do there was bridge gaps, like build bridges with people. And so he said, I want, and, and this is one piece of that. They did a lot more later. And that's one of the reasons why I love them is a lot of their lives have been about like building those bridges, but people tend to not know about those things. So anyway, yeah. he said, I want to write a, a soul song that started, you know, noodling around with something. And Edge, the the guitarist basically said, oh, well, I just written this one kind of phrase down mm-hmm. and I was just thinking about it. And he, you know, he wrote that and then they kind of wrote everything from there. And if you look at the lyrics for this song, it is like, it is this beautiful representation of like humanity searching for things. And I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a, like a deep philosophical artist type guy. Like mm-hmm. I appreciate music, but I'm not like a super deep, deep thinker. So I'm sure if someone's a super deep thinker, they're like, no, that's still pedestrian, Matt. But for me, <laughs> when I'm reading it and I'm hearing these things, there's a lot of biblical allegories and stuff as well. But like one of the things is like, like I've been at varying states of relationship with Christianity during my life, but you two has always been someone who is like open about it. And they're open about it in a way where they're not just like kowtowing to the church. Like they're like, yeah. We have things that we don't understand. We have things that we don't get. Things are not the way we want them to be. They use cuss words or whatever, you know? But at the same yeah. time, they're like also tying this longing together with a lot of, like there's there's stuff pulled out of Psalms in this this one. So I don't know, it's just meant a lot to me. One last thing, and then I know that you want to move on because I'm not going to talk forever. <laughs> they recorded in one of their, I think it was also called Joshua Tree. There was a um, DVD of them traveling around. And in this DVD, they go, they're walking around Harlem in New York for Mm -hmm. a performance, and they literally just happen to hear that song being sung by a choir at a a black Mm -hmm. gospel church. I don't know exactly what domination it was. Um, You can see it, but I can't remember which. And they just kind of walked in and they're like, hey, that's our song. And they're like, (laughs) you're doing it amazingly. And you know, it's like a, there's, I don't know if there was, there might've been keys and it might've been just purely vocals, but it was beautiful rendition with all these harmonies and stuff like that. And they just show up and like sing along with them. And the drummer has this moment where he like picks up a conga and he's never like played a conga before. Cause again, he just knows drum set. And he has this line that my friend Barry and I always quote, we're like, he's like, my own conga, my very own conga. And I don't know (laughs) why, but like that moment, it stuck with me so much that I ripped that part of the DVD to an MP3 and I listened to that version of it all the time. So after this nice. podcast i'm going to take that mp3 and i'm going to put it up on twitter so all of you listening to it can hear that version too um but awesome. i'm sure that michael will play the real version i'm gonna shut up now yeah beautiful hey you have spoken lots and in great depth about that and so we're going to have for those of our listeners who haven't had uh, a youtube song appear on their phone unannounced before have a listen <laughs> to i still haven't found what i'm looking for
So you, you touched on the deep history that you have with music and how your taste has evolved over time. And I think that's pretty much, the, I mean, apart from Adam, who's been listening to Slayer, God help him, <laughs> since he was 10 years old. Since he was in the but womb. I th- yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a fairly natural progression for people's taste to change. You know, when I was growing up, my parents were um, a little bit older than, than my friend's parents. So we mm-hmm. listened to a lot of stuff from the 50s and the 60s. And there was a lot of Roy Orbison and a lot of ABBA and a lot of Beatles and a lot of Manfred Mann. And so that was like my taste in music for a long time. And then it was mm-hmm. whatever was on in the car. So things, things definitely changed. Then I went through, you know, like a Spice Girls phase. And then I went through a back, you know, all that, yeah. that early 90s pop and, and that kind of stuff. And then early to, or late 90s, early 2000s. And then when I got to high school and you start getting exposed to like different people and you get different, mm-hmm. and that's when the, the rock and the metal and, and you start, that's when I started hearing things like Slayer and started hearing things like, you know, Meshuggah and Metallica and Megadeth and, and all of these yeah. different like metal influences and then um, into prog rock. So, you know, things, things just change vastly over time. And it wasn't only, only un, it wasn't until recently, like in the last few years, being part of the, the Laravel community and yourself and, you know, Yaz and Taylor and, and Ian, there's a lot of hip hop and rap and R&B and that kind of stuff. And it's only mm-hmm. sort of more recently that I've started listening to that kind of music and, and started to appreciate that a little bit more. So that kind of leads me into the, the next or well, the first question of this podcast, this 10 minute podcast, 13 minutes in to our recording. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to be short with me. What, what, and everyone expects that, I think. What is the the kind of music that that you actually listen to while you're coding, while you're working, mm-hmm. while you're managing your wonderful company? So I'm going to allow you to make me talk short or long. I can answer that question, or I can also say something that's really interesting based on that really interesting thing you just said. That's going to make it go another like four minutes. Let's can we it. keep it short. Okay. I'm not, no, people so, can just suck it up. Okay, so one of my favorite things about what you just said is that you can kind of follow the progression of your musical tastes based on your influences, right? So there was your parents who kind of defined your early musical tastes, and then you started being kind of more listening to the pop culture around you. And at some point, you you may have had friends who were introducing you to the metal stuff, or maybe that was your natural inclination. And then meeting mm-hmm. the people at Laracon was kind of one of, or Laravel's community is one of the things that introduced that. And I think that's that's really true for all of us. But what I've been trying to realize is how much was it true for me? So for example, I listened to a lot of alternative rock in, you know, growing up because first of all, my dad listened to rock. And so like his stuff was like records of people from the 60s and 70s with, with all mm-hmm. rock and stuff like that. But honestly, we didn't listen to his music that much. It was because of my older brother. I have a brother, older brother who's three and a half years older than me. And so whatever he listened to, I listened to. So mm-hmm. for a long time when I was listening to that alternative rock, it's not actually like what I chose. It's just what was around me. And then I got into middle school and I listened to the, what the kids around me listened to and it was they listened to ska and they listened to this other stuff and so i was like yeah i'm a ska kid i love ska i, yeah. I didn't pick ska you know what I, mean? I didn't yeah. listen to everything they picked ska that was around me and you know with the indie rock stuff i think that uh, that was likely to be the closest to me picking something because i was sort of melancholic and i just kind of like you know I'm a, I'm a very white white guy right and so like just listening to uh the shins or whoever else you know that kind of made sense you know i watched that garden state movie like five thousand times in college and it definitely kind of clicked with me and then went off to college and made friends from all sorts of, you know, backgrounds and ethnicities and socioeconomics and everything like that. And that, I think, gave me a different perspective on the world and recognized that, like, the world I'd grown up was was much more sheltered than I realized. Mm-hmm. And during that time period, I really learned to appreciate other cultures. And I spent a lot more time listening to music from other cultures. And so, like, that listening to that music and choosing to do that was outside of my normal comfort zone. It was something I chose. 
But still, like if you were to take me outside of the context and just look at my personality, you wouldn't think that guy listens to hip hop, right? Like right. I'm very white, but yeah, I have really developed a deep appreciation for black culture, but also for Latin culture mm-hmm. and for a lot of different spaces that are not my normal. And so much so that I love listening to that stuff because I feel like it's yeah. very beautiful and it's very rich and it's and it's fun. And I feel like I feel a certain way that I feel it when I listen to it that I don't feel when I listen to other music. But yeah. it's still like that's if you were again, if you were just pick me like what makes you comfortable day to day, that stuff does because I've listened to it for so long. Mm-hmm. But like the most comfortable stuff for me would probably still be like singer, songwriter, guitar stuff. So I just I really yeah. appreciate you bringing up that point that like what we listen to now and at any given moment very frequently reflects the people around us and the influences yeah. around us as much as it does us. That's not true for everybody. I'm sure some of you listening are like, no, I, I listen to everything and I pick people like, that's not me, you know? Yeah. Like I've yeah. been very influenced by the people around me. And it's, it's a, so I, I really appreciate you saying that about your parents' music. So, yeah. And like now, now I'm a parent. Like Eli's yep. taste in music <laughs> is going to be very different to what my <laughs> taste in music was like because. He came in one day and Metallica has been streaming concerts from like their back catalog from yeah. live concerts every Monday. And so I was watching one day and he comes in and he sat down and he was just sort of mesmerized by it. Uh-huh. And he'll come into my office and he's like, drums. Or he'll be <laughs> sitting in front of the TV and he'll be watching like The Wiggles or Mickey Mouse. Uh-huh. He'll be like, drums. And so that means it's time for Metallica. So, awesome. you know, he's, he's coming up to two now. He'll be two next month. And uh-huh. this is where he's at. It's like Metallica. And like, I'm proud of him that it's Metallica, but yeah. you know, things will change as, as we said, over time, things will change. But back to the question you to, already asked, back I'm sorry. To the question. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but I love that. Thanks for sharing that. So when I code, there are three, two or three primary. When, when you code without an audience, of course. Without an audience. When I code with, with, an, with an audience, I have to, to turn the music off or I'm going to get copyright claims. So when I code without an audience, there's a few different spaces I'm in. If I am hyper, hyper, hyper focused, I cannot have music. When I am on your average space, I can just average normal day-to-day work. I can listen to mostly anything, but I often focus a little bit more on a little bit more instrumental stuff. Or So I listen to a lot of Tycho and Hammock and that kind of stuff or mm-hmm. stuff that I know so well that it, it becomes a drone in the back of my mind because it's just so familiar. So if I've listened yeah. to an album thousands, hundreds, hundreds of times, it doesn't matter what that album is, how vocal it is or anything, eventually it's going to become a drone. Mm-hmm. But the most focused and intent music where I, I pick it because of how it makes me feel is when I have to get a, um, a very intent and specific job done. And I think I have one uh, playlist title. I think it's like get mess done, like get stuff done basically. And that is intense. Usually it's not like super, super heavy because that's going to drive, that's like more like my running music, like super mm-hmm. heavy stuff or a rap, but this is more like, like the social network soundtrack and the Batman soundtrack and stuff like that, where this is like very intense driving music that mm-hmm. really kind of makes me go like, yes, we're going to get this. Like I actually want to open up right now. Yeah see what else is in there but that's the stuff but i can only do that sometimes right like there's there's very frequently like times where i just can't do that so yeah oh so daft punk the um the remixed version of um tron legacy reconfigured the social network soundtrack dark knight rises soundtrack Mm -hmm. some of the more intense Tycho stuff um muse the resistance nice and some of some of those times i can also get into like like um parliament funked up the very best of parliament like some of their stuff actually kind of gets me all hyped up so that but again i can't listen to that all day so if there was an average answer it would probably be Tycho and things like Tycho, and then you know variance depending on how i'm feeling very nice very good now leading on from that your second song is this is probably more the style of music that i would have picked for you as as i know you in the moment as i know you right now 
And I think there's there's a connection here to sort of your family. There's there's a bit of connection to uh, your history in where you used to live and work and where you met Dan and when you started Titan and all of that. So tell us, for those who haven't been able to guess from from that introduction, tell us your second song and artist. Yeah. So my second artist is Chance the Rapper, and the song is All We Got um, from his Coloring Book Mixtape. And again, that is a back to front, listen to the whole thing you know, don't, don't hit pause, just go the whole way through, kind of listen for me. Mm-hmm. And Chance is from Chicago. So I discovered Chance through the coloring book. I'm not one of those people who are like, oh yeah, I've been listening to him since, you know, way long time ago. Like I discovered him through the coloring book and a lot of people are like way more ahead of him than I am. And it's funny because I was in Chicago, I had friends in Chicago. So I'd be like, man, this Chance guy is so amazing. I'm listening on coloring book on repeat. And they're like, oh yeah, when I was hanging out with him, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you're so cool. You were at a party with Chance. Um, but there is that Chicago connection. But so this coloring book album was, I think that, it is definitely in my top five albums of all time, no question. It might be like, mm-hmm. you know, like that and Joshua Tree might be in like the top, you know, one or two or three spots. And it's, he is, you're getting all these religious tones out of it. He is in touch with the world around him. He is hopeful and faithful. Again, at this time, I was in a space where I'm like, man, I love hip hop, but I don't always love what they're talking about. And he was just coming in with like joy and hope and like bringing in like these little like references to church stuff, but again, in a not in a mm-hmm. churchy way. And like, if you, if you grew up in black church, you're going to recognize a whole bunch of the references that he did with this song, remake of this song or whatever. But if you don't, didn't, you're not gonna be like, oh my gosh, this guy's preaching at me. You're just gonna be like, yeah, he's really happy. Okay. You're like, he's not talking yeah. about bad stuff. And it's just energetic and joyful and musical. It was so clear that like, not only is he a talented lyricist, and, and of course there's more talented lyricists than him. I almost put um, Kendrick Lamar's DNA on my top three, but it didn't quite make it, you know, like, but he's, he's a creative, he's a musician, and he obviously knows a lot of musicians and he's working with Francis and the Lights and the, the children's Chicago Children's Choir. And, oh my gosh, it's just so much rich and exciting and fun and energetic and high energy and good like rap and good music on this album. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard for me to pick the top song actually because my son, so when he was, man, a couple years old, he memorized the entire rap like front to back for no problem. And um, you know, if one more label's gonna stop me and he like he's this little kid, you know, going around yeah. like recording that thing <laughs> or re- re- repeating the whole thing. So that has like a special part of my heart. But yeah. all we got is it's both the the musicality it's fun and it's joyful it's got these horns and it's like you know exciting you know church music got the children's choir on it it's got kanye west on it and he's not my favorite always but he's extraordinarily talented Mm -hmm. but man i'm trying to figure out what i love about this so much so there's a couple other but like first of all oh my gosh i literally have goosebumps right now talking about this (laughs) so sorry sometimes music is one of those things where you you can't explain necessarily why it speaks to your you know, the cockles of your soul or whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's, it just is. And you, and you can't explain it and other people probably won't understand it yeah. because you can't explain it. But I think each of us has that kind of reaction and that kind of connection with music in one way or another a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, totally. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll share a couple lines that stick out with me, but again, I agree with you. I think that most people are like, that line is not that significant, but okay. You know what? There's, here's the thing. I think that music that really sticks for me is music that has two things. So I'm not, I'm not I tend not to be like a, a lyrical analyzer. Like a lot of my friends like listen to the lyrics really really deep. I tend mm-hmm. to really stick into the music. 
Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in the chord progressions and the bass and the drums and the yeah. rhythms and how how the 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 alternating rhythms between the the vocal like the a talented lyricist like in hip hop will always use like offbeat rhythms or uptick rhythms all these different things and so how that's playing off the more standardized rhythms of the drums that's stuff where I stick with but the things that last with me the longest both catch me there and they ride me through and just loving this music and then as I start listening over replays and replays, I start learning about the depth of it and then they yeah. tell deep stories about these people's lives there's usually difficulty there's usually hope there's usually love and uh, like that's you know that's uh i still haven't found what i'm looking for um mm-hmm. that's this and that's also the third one as well and so just just like a couple of the lines here and again and then i'll shut up but like so in the first verse he says trying to turn my baby mama into my fiance okay right so like he's like basically saying hey you know we had a kid together and yeah. now i'm trying to make this work she like music she's like she's from houston like auntie yance so He's talking about her. He knows what she loves. He wants, you know, he's he's talking about what he loves about her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's from Houston, like Auntie Yonsei. That's Beyonce. Like, yeah. so Auntie Yonsei is this, like, this familial reference. Like, we think of Beyonce like our family. And I don't, again, it just, it's just this, like, it's a different culture. It's a different space yeah. than when I grew up in. It is so, I love it. Man, my daughter yeah. couldn't have a m- better mother. If she, if she ever find another, he better love her, right? Like, he loves her so much. So, first of all, he's like, baby girl couldn't have any better mother and if for some reason i can't get her get the ring on her finger and she goes somewhere else like he better take good care of her like that yeah and it just yeah i man i swear my life is perfect perfect i could merch it if i die i'd probably cry at my own surface you know like like he is so happy he loves his life he understands it's not gonna be perfect and, yeah. and it's just like i could just y'all i could literally read this entire <laughs> thing and just keep going and it just makes me so happy also there's one line where he says i might give satan a swirly which is one of my favorite ever and i, I there's somebody made a drawing of him giving satan a swirly and it's been my background on, on facebook <laughs> since this thing came out so anyway i won't talk anymore but it is I, you you won't hear it and go wow this is the deepest thing ever but it is both beautiful and fun energetic and exciting and also it shows like his hope and his life and his I don't know. It's good stuff. I love it. Let's see if we can make our listeners, at least one of our listeners, as happy as you are by so. listening to this this rendition of All We Got featuring Kanye West and the Chicago Children's Choir. And we back. 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 And this ain't no intro, this the entree Hit that intro with Kanye, I sound like Andre Tryna turn my baby mama to my fiance She like music, she from Houston, like Auntie Yonce Man, my daughter couldn't have a better mother If she ever find another, he better love her Man, I swear my life is perfect, I can merge it If I So, die, you talked about how some of the you know your friends and that they'll they'll analyze the lyrics but you're more looking for the music and the progressions of the of the the music and and the call call out to the the verses and things like that and i think i'm a little bit like that as well where there may, there may as well not even be any lyrics in some songs because i'm mm-hmm. listening to the drums and the bass and the guitar and so that i think is a very musician mindset and i know mm-hmm. that there's there's music in your family your sister is a well, she's a published artist, right? She's yeah, recorded she's and things albums. like that. Yeah. So it's it's in your family. So how much of that has made its way into your bones? How how much music do you play? Do you sing? Yeah. Do you you know? 
Yeah, I'll try and keep this short because I'm bad at short. So we definitely did music growing up. My mom played piano. My dad played a little bit of guitar, but he's also a trumpetist and he studied musical education with trumpet performance at secondary. Um, and he didn't end up doing that for work, but that was, you know, that was our background. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother, my younger brother is a pianist and singer. And it, I don't, can't remember if he actually released albums, but he also played trombone in a ska band, you know, and uh, my sister, like you said, she's a performing artist. She performs all over and has a couple albums under Abigail Stauffer. And then for me, so I took piano lessons growing up and then I wanted to play guitar because everybody didn't know it was cool. But my buddy in like sixth grade or something told me, uh, there's too many guitarists. No, everybody, every band needs a bassist. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll play bass. So I got a bass. I got a little Yamaha and taught myself how to play it. I, I took, uh, there's one band class at my school. So I took jazz band in seventh grade and then I just taught myself. Um, and then I played at church for years and the church I was going to, it, like every single song was like four chords, just over and over and over most boring stuff ever it's good to get established because you know i learned how to perform i learned how to not screw up too much but it was in front of like 50 people who'd known me since i was born and the music was very boring and then in um i got in a band or two and then in high school a good friend of mine who still performs music um adam plumeritas he's performs it out of ann arbor we started a band together with some friends and we were all it's this weird mix oh man i did not realize how much religion would tie into this it's this very weird mix we all listen to prog rock if anybody's not familiar with prog rock, prog rock is this like 80s sort of heavy metal, sort of, you know, like intense stuff. But it's also got like this weird like hairband, like pretty boy singing on top of it. And it's very mm-hmm. technical. Lots of very technical drums and very technical guitars and very technical rhythms. Like they're the people that are going to do those weird like eight beats to one measure and then seven beats to the next measure and then eight and then five, you know, all just yeah. kind of weird stuff, right? And so we got, we were in a prog rock and we were actually really talented musicians, but we were so deep in the church there that we kind of believed that the only valid music that we could do was like prayer and worship music. So mm-hmm. we recorded multiple albums and played at dozens of shows and got this weird, confused fan base who at times, and they literally told us this, they're like, we think you're so talented, but we don't know what to do at your shows because at times we're like, Literally, like at your, you know, sit in front of you guys watching your fingers fly over the keys and or over the guitars. And at times we're like headbanging. And at times we're like instantly supposed to jump into like being all like close your eyes and singing to <laughs> yeah. God, whatever. It's very confusing. Yeah. And they were right. <laughs> we were very confused. So I went off to, to, um, to college man i'm bad at making this short i went off to college i got involved in christian communities there they were multi-ethnic and so all of a sudden i had to learn all this very very different music at church in the christian communities and so i'm learning like gospel and all these crazy like seventh chords that are because gospel music is jazz music you know with mm-hmm. church music sung over it all this crazy complicated stuff i was not prepared for so i slowly learned that and then at some point i was the only musician in one of my groups and they're like hey can you lead all the stuff so i learned how to sing i brought my keyboard back i learned how to play guitar you know and i I did that for a while. And then finally, in 2008 to 2012, I started playing bass professionally. I did some recordings in the studios. I took some lessons, and then I ended up playing at this conference that had 12 or 15,000 people, and I was the bassist for the the band for the entire gig. And so we did like seven or eight gigs leading up to it. Each of the gig was like 600, 800 people to get together as a team to like learn how to play together. And then, you know, the big thing was in December, and it was 12,000 or 15,000 people, whatever. And that was my big moment. And then soon after that, um, because my son was, I think, like four or five months old at that point. And then soon after Mm -hmm. that, I went back to only playing at church. And then soon after that, we had another kid. And then I just basically don't play at all. So all these things are 100% of my background. Like I wrote the five minute geek show intro. Um, That's Adam Wyden playing guitar like years ago on that. And, you know, I picked all, even the the Laravel podcast intro, I 
picked one that I liked and then edited it the crap out of it to get it to mm-hmm. actually sound like what you hear right now. So music 100% everywhere. I'm teaching my kids to play piano right now. There's a bass over there and a guitar over there. So yeah, music is like nice. in my bones. I'm I'm good at bass and I'm like average at a lot of things. <laughs> Excellent. Just on on progressive rock. I've never actually seen this description, but it but it tickled my fancy. Uh-huh. Progressive rock, often shorter to prog or prog rock, is a form of rock music that evolved in the late 60s and early 70s as part of a quote, mostly British attempt to elevate rock music to new levels of artistic credibility. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Although I did, I didn't realize it was as early as the 60s. I always have it as like early yeah. 80s, late late 70s. It's a long time. Mind, so. Like things wow. like Rush and they've been around forever. Rush and Dream Theater um, are the two big ones. So here's here's another one. Mike Portnoy, who was the the former drummer of dream theater for something like 20 years drums with a guy called neil morse and i don't know if you know of neil morse but he's no. he's really big in in the in the prog circles there is an album called question mark it's by neil morse it's from uh, 2005 it's a christian progressive rock concept album so is it you terrible need to check that out no it is really good <laughs> okay. and it's and it's everything that you just described it's, yeah confusing it's like and... you're rock and confusing and and it's are you worshiping and they're singing about <laughs> like the temple of the living god and all of this kind of stuff uh-huh. and as like i was much more connected to christian upbringing when i was younger and when, yeah, when i first yeah. heard this and i was just like listening on repeat to huh. work from work in the car every chance i had so definitely check it out yeah it's um He's he a lot of his stuff has got a lot of Christian themes through it. So I just thought I would share that with you as a as a little gift. Yeah. And just, now, just on, I'm so I'm oh, sorry, on. I'm gonna throw one last thing in just because I feel like a lot of people have asked me about like faith on Twitter. So I just want to add one note here about how it connects to music. For me, the explicitly and outrightly and unartistically religious stuff turns me off. What I love is when people who have the things that I find beautiful in whatever religion that they're in, honestly and earnestly integrate that into truthful, like deep and meaningful, not trite Mm -hmm. descriptions of whatever they're going through. And that's why I think that I've like really opened up to a lot of other hip hop that I didn't used to listen to because I was like, oh, they're talking about bad things. And I'm like, they're telling the truth, right? Yeah. And so like I've opened up to that. And so the the hip hop or whatever else that I like that does have faith elements of it in it, it's because they're showing how that faith element is truthfully integrated or how it brings them hope or whatever, not because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to sing about this, 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 this. So yeah, anyway, yeah. throw that in. It's, uh, yeah, that is very true. I am, um, yeah, because I don't listen to it because I'm like, ah, oh, this is just noise. But you listen to it now, especially a lot of Kendrick stuff and like his Grammy award-winning stuff and you listen to yeah. it and you're like, this is really good. And it's, and then you, you stop and you think, you're like, and we're going to have an explicit tag on this episode. You're like, holy fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. This guy has gone through some stuff and it's like, you don't, when you're younger, you don't really think about it. And especially for like white people, you don't, you don't understand that. And I think having these artists and being recognized for it is, is really important as well. So, yeah. And, uh, I, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> last thing I swear, I didn't get Kendrick at first because I listened to his good kids, mad city. And I was just like, he's just like this kind of like very talented musician who's talking about a whole bunch of stuff I don't agree with. That's Eminem for me, right? Like Eminem mm-hmm. is so talented and I just really don't agree with him and his values. And so I expected when I listened to Good Kid, Mad City, first couple of tracks, I was like, and eh, that's it. I was an idiot and had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, first of all, I think Kedrick Lamar is one of the top, you know, three, four top most talented rappers of all time, for sure. Um, yeah. But additionally, I had no idea the level of complexity he uses in his art. And I couldn't go into it right now. But if you are interested in learning, whether because you're interested in Kendrick Lamar and rap or because you look down in them, go listen to Dissect. 
um, D-I-S-S-E-C-T podcast.com. And mm-hmm. it's a the first the first season, I don't know if he has more seasons now, was track by track breaking down like the deep thoughtfulness of I think it was Dam or to Pimp a Butterfly. Mm. I'm not sure which. It might have been to Pimp a Pimp a Butterfly. So anyway, just go take a listen to that. It is unbelievable the amount of depth and creativity and artistic innovation and storytelling and the number of characters like there's on that that album i think it was the pimp a butterfly there's literally like four or five different characters and you can tell which character he's acting as by how he changes his vocal intonation but you wouldn't understand that unless you fully listen to his lyrics and how they change from verse to verse or song to song and then fully process what he's doing and telling these stories and then go back later and re-listen to it multiple times and i just didn't do that right Mm -hmm. i listened i was like oh he's talking about drugs in blah, 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 that he's, you know, yeah. whatever. I had this caricature and I applied it to him wrongly. And then when I heard, you know, I think it was before I, I think I started listening to his music before I was, I started listening to his music long before I listened to Dissect Podcast. But when I listened to that podcast, I was just like, holy crap, this is so yeah. much deeper than literally any music I've ever heard in my life. And that just, yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah, we'll, we'll link Dissect Podcast up. It is uh, season one. It's to Pimp a Butterfly. They dissect. Okay, that's so, what I thought, yeah. Yeah. All right. We're gonna we're gonna make it. We're gonna get there. Here's your <laughs> third one. I've never heard. I don't think of this artist. Yeah, he looks like another artist uh, that that has been fairly popular in the last couple of years. He's a British guy whose name, whilst I've been trying to figure it out through this episode, I can't put my name on it. Okay, I can't put my finger on it. But tell me about your third and final track. Yeah, so I know the least about this one. In so the guy's name is Mac Miller. And he passed away in uh, September 2018. And I had heard of him a little bit, you know, so just in case you hadn't noticed from here, I'm not like the most knowledgeable person about any of these genres. Like I'm not the most Mm -hmm. knowledgeable prog rock person. I'm not the most knowledgeable hip hop person. I just really enjoy like certain aspects of those things. And so he passed away in September 2018. And I'd like vaguely heard his name before. And I expected it to be, you know, one of those things where like people were a little bit sad and then they kind of moved on with their lives, you know, like which is perfectly appropriate. And my friends who love hip hop, especially a lot of my friends who have had a harder life, um, who have had depression and anxiety and a lot of other things, like their experience with Mac Miller passing away was just completely out of sync with what I expected. And I just realized I had had no idea the impact he had made on a lot of people who I cared for. And I said, I gotta, I gotta go listen to this guy. So I went to listen to his most recent one, just swimming. Now I've since listened to some of his earlier ones, and I'm just kind of like, wow, you're super young and immature. You're talented, but you're super young and immature. So I don't know if I would say like I love all this stuff again. I'm still like I'm still mm-hmm. pretty new to his music. But I listen to swimming and I listen to swimming and I listen to swimming and I listen to swimming. Just non- stop over and over and over again and it like this is definitely one of those ones where i'm going to tell you a little bit about how it makes me feel and very little bit about like very little that can tell you the the truth of it because i just mm-hmm. don't really know the best way i can think about swimming is to say that like just like the other two i was talking about here is a young guy who is you know like having a difficult time and some things are really going his way but he's also remembering times when life was a little bit harder and i don't know anything about his background like i know that he he had substance abuse problems but i don't know if he grew up rich or poor i have no idea but i could just but regardless mm-hmm. everybody can have difficulties you don't have to be poor to have difficulties and he had obviously had some really hard times and he obviously was both seeing good times but also wrestling truthfully with like the impacts there, like like just a total side example, like w- I used to listen to a lot of Christian hip hop because I felt like that was the only 
stuff I was allowed mm-hmm. to listen to. And there's this big rapper named Lecrae, and I respect the hell out of that human being, Lecrae. I've heard amazing things about him, but his music was corny. It was just so freaking corny. And then I'm trying to remember, I think it was when Mike Brown was killed by the, the cops. He basically said, wow, they're like killing our, our men, our, killing our boys, actually, really. And the, mm-hmm. like, the, the white church just kind of like totally trashed him and stopped coming to his conference, concerts. And he had this like total crisis where he realized that like I have been kind of complicit in this thing that doesn't care about me. And so he started writing like deep truth-telling music. And then I was like, wow, this is, this is the guy I've been wanting to hear this whole time. And all of a sudden I love yeah. him. So I've realized there's so, much, there's so much value that comes from people like – actually knowing the difficulty they've endured, not just kind of sloughing it off, not just kind of painting it over, but also knowing the good things that they have and talking truthfully about both of them in balance. And so I do think like when I listen through swimming, there's just like this emotional connection that I feel with him about his difficulty and his hope and his joy and his silliness and his like crassness where it just feels like it's like you, I feel like I am interacting with an entire human being in swimming. I feel like I'm getting this whole guy and I don't know if he's exactly like me, but I identify with him so much and it's just very cathartic, like listening to it. So I don't know if there's any like lines, you know, so far, like he, he so he wrote this, this album came out after 2009 and mm-hmm. like it came out quite a bit later, I think like 2015 or something in 2018. And so the song is titled 2009. And so he's like reminiscing back a little bit to like what was like was before what was like, what like was before, before he got big. So he got big in 2009 with his, his first mixtape. And so he's kind of like comparing what life is like today. Nine years in, I have all the success. I'm really well known. You know, like one of the things he said is like, I ain't asking why no more. And sometimes that's both a good thing here. Like he's just like, things are going his way. But then sometimes he's also saying like bad things. Um, he said, she tell me that I get her high because an angel is supposed to apply and I ain't asking why no more. I take it if it's mine. I don't stay inside the lines. It ain't in 2009 no more. Yeah, I know it's behind that door. And so again, some of these are just like, connections that I don't fully understand, but some of these things are him talking about like what's what's better now and what's he's mm-hmm. learned. And then some of them is him like being a little bit nostalgic for like what like was life before. And it's kind of like balancing back and forth before back and forth between those. You know, sometimes he says like some sometimes, sometimes I wish I took a simpler route instead of having demons at as big as my house. And so like it's these constant balances back and forth. Like he's got this huge house and things is going really well. And it's not just like the stereotypical like, oh I made a whole ton of money and life isn't perfect. Woe is me. I feel like it is that same yeah. experience that so many people have, but I feel like it's like a deeper version of it. I will be honest that part of this one and what I love about it is that it's a part of an album that makes me feel this way. And part of it is it's the combination of like his his tone and the the beat and his rhythm, stuff like that. That like again, I'm not I don't know if I can look exactly at each individual lyric and say, wow, this is it. I think it's the, the lyrics are one piece of him communicating a feeling to me in this one. Mm-hmm. And I love experiencing that feeling. So nice. Lovely. Matt. For those of us who have short-term memory issues, you did talk (laughs) about, we talked about your indecisiveness in choosing music. And I know that you had great difficulty getting down to three songs for this podcast. So hard. We had great difficulty keeping this to 10 minutes. We're going to, when this episode comes out, by the time you've heard me say this, you will have tweeted about the full seven songs that you managed to narrow this down to for everyone to have a listen to. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I know that it was longer than our stipulated 10 minutes i'm sorry thank you there's been some great look i love talking to you matt and and not being able to be at laracon and and not being able to see you this has been this is it yeah a breath of fresh air i I love it i thank i thank you for your time Uh, i thank you for rescheduling for me so that i didn't wake eli up last night oh family Um, for everything and that's right 100 percent. and 
on that note, we will wrap up. As I said at the top of this episode, Laracon will be online August 26th. Tickets are available now for just $29 a ticket. I hope everyone enjoys themselves. I hope everyone's staying safe and 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 healthy and and enjoying the time that we've got to spend with our families, this extra time with no commutes and and lots of us working from home. So stay safe out there and we will speak to you next time. Thanks, y'all. Take a breath and ease my mind She don't cry no more She tell me that I get her high Cause an angel's supposed to fly I ain't asking why no more Oh no, I take it if it's mine I don't stay inside the lines It ain't 2009 no more Yeah, I know what's behind that door Yeah, okay, you gotta jump in the swim Well, the light was dim and this light was